Good morning. Let's think about turbulence. I imagine a particular memory from a flight you may be may have taken may be all coming back to you now. After all, many of us living in this island have become experienced flyers. We've become accustomed to a gentle rattling in the cabin now and again. Or sometimes it might get a little choppy and the fastened seatbelt signs might light up. But we're hardened flyers and we've seen it all before. After all, the flight attendants are still serving hot drinks and the alcohol. On occasions, we may have experienced a more severe, lumpy and bumpy flight. It gets a bit more interesting now, doesn't it? Especially when the attendants also have to buckle up as well. And we hear these words coming over the tannoy. This is your captain speaking. Then there are extreme cases of turbulence where planes can just drop and you find yourself left on the ceiling. I believe on most occasions pilots can see from their instruments whether turbulence is likely to occur. They may warn us about it. They may even try to navigate their way around it. If they're in it, I believe they may try to fly over it or under it to escape it. But sometimes they just fly through it and we have to trust the pilot. Over the past three months, we've flown through what many would describe as the most turbulent in their lifetime. We've been hit and we are being hit by at least four tidal waves. Firstly, a global health pandemic not seen before in living history. Secondly, we're in the midst of a global economic crisis with governments propping up economies and many seeing a redefining of work as they knew it. Thirdly, we've seen the signs of a mental health and emotional well-being crisis where whatever is being reported is just the tip of the iceberg. And now we find we're in a war, exposing perhaps the greatest evil in our world and our culture's most pressing concern to eradicate where you are defined and treated by the colour of your skin. It affects not just individuals, but governments and institutions at the heart of power, including the church, with many calling for a redefining of history. I wonder which word you'd choose to describe these past three months. Rattling, choppy, extreme or severe. We may choose another expression, off the wall. We've been living through this global shaking of the nations, which has affected virtually every country, with the exception of a few remote islands where the map of life as we knew it has been redefined. Then for many, we're trying to navigate our way through this turbulence without a moral compass and without trusting the pilot. We live in a world where no one seems to have the answer, where everyone is pivoting and life is a global experiment. So where should we go to interpret these times? We should go to the pilot and his word, to the Bible, to interpret these times, to God who has seen it all before, because for him there is nothing new under the sun. Specifically, I think we go to the Old Testament prophetic books, which make up approximately 20% of the Bible. Here's why we go to the Old Testament prophetic books for such a time as this, because they describe a period that they lived in roughly 300 years from the mid 8th century BC to the 5th century BC that was the most turbulent 
in the nation Israel's history. These years were characterized by unprecedented political, military, economic and social upheaval. These years were characterized by an enormous level of religious unfaithfulness and disregard for the original Mosaic Covenant, which still underpins a lot of Western democracy. And these years were characterized by shifts in population and national boundaries, including economic shifts in the balance of power on the international scene. Sound familiar? The period of the prophets began with the nation Israel divided into two kingdoms. It had been divided permanently for a number of years by a long ongoing civil war. In one kingdom was the northern kingdom, ten tribes of Moses' Israel, where accession came to the throne, came more likely through conflict rather than birthright. And then secondly, the southern kingdom. The remaining two tribes of Moses' Israel, together with the Levitical priests, where the monarchy passed through the royal bloodline of King David. This morning I want us to look at one of the prophets who ministered to the southern kingdom before their exile to Babylon, the prophet Habakkuk. We know little about him and you could read the book named after him in less than 10 minutes. I find though it's a rich book for helping us to interpret and navigate our way through these turbulent times. Here's the point. To interpret and to navigate these turbulent times we live in only happens if we're trusting the pilot and living in the presence of the Lord. In his short book, Habakkuk shows us four ways from his life of what it looks like to live in the presence of the Lord. I think it's best to see these four ideas operating as a continuous circle of being and doing, where you go back and forth. We live firstly in the presence of the Lord by asking God questions. It's a quality not just unique to Habakkuk. Other prophets did likewise. We know the prophet Jeremiah was another, as were those many of whom who lived a bit earlier, who wrote the Psalms. In his book, we notice Habakkuk's questions, of which we find two, are questions that we call laments. They're frequent complaints to God in questions such as, why God? How long God? Where have you gone God? To lament is to come to God in rawness, in true openness and real honesty, to confront, even to challenge God. But the purpose of a true lament is to draw us to repent and to reorient our trust back in God. Habakkuk's first question in verse 2 of chapter 1 is this, How long, O Lord, shall I cry for help and you will not listen? How long, O Lord, shall I cry for help and you will not listen? It's raw, it's open and it's honest. Although we're not told in the text, I think this would have been a repeated question by Habakkuk as part of his daily pattern of prayers that we see at the beginning of chapter 3. We live in the presence of the Lord by asking God questions. Secondly, we live in the presence of the Lord by watching and listening for God's answer. When we question God, it doesn't mean we'll either get an immediate answer we know the prophet Jeremiah once waited 10 days for Daniel, the prophet, it was 21 days. Neither does it mean that we will get the answer we expect. 
Think of the Bible character Job or Habakkuk here. It also doesn't mean that it also means that we might not get an answer at all. We don't know how long Habakkuk did wait for an answer to either of his complaints. But in the first instance, when God's response comes, it was not the one it was expecting. It took the turbulence level from extreme to off the wall, with God's answer resulting in the arrival of the Babylonians. We read, God says, look at the nations and see. Be astonished, be astounded. For work is being done in your days that you would not believe if you were told. For I am rousing the Babylonians. I just wonder. I wonder. On the 1st of January, even the 1st of March this year, we could have imagined seeing such a global shaking of the nations. Habakkuk can't believe God's answer to his first complaint. For the Babylonians were the worst of time. The worst of his time. So he goes back querying God. But his querying, we read in verse 12 of chapter 1, is based upon a trust in the sovereign and everlasting God, which means in his own words at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, I will stand at my watch post and station myself at the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he says to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. As part of this series, I've been encouraging us to come into the presence of the Lord to ask God two questions and to wait for his answer. The first question is this, what have we gained during lockdown and want to keep when lockdown ends to help us choose life with God? And the second is, what have we lost during lockdown and shouldn't take back when it ends because it distracts us from choosing life with God? I wonder what God might have been saying to us this past week in terms of those two questions. We live in the presence of the Lord by asking God questions. We live in the presence of the Lord by watching and waiting and listening for his answer. Thirdly, we live in the presence of the Lord by being faithful like the righteous. As Habakkuk is standing and watching at his watch post for, for God's answer, he's waiting in a posture. An attentive posture of trust in the Lord as his pilot. The prophet Daniel did likewise in a similar situation where we read he set his mind to gain understanding and to humble himself before God. It's a trust for Habakkuk that is seen in how the Lord is his rock in verse 12 of chapter 1. It's seen with his faith being lived out in action in verse 4 of chapter 2. And it's seen with his trust being in the living Lord and not in some counterfeit idol at the end of chapter two. Of course, reading these words now in the light of the New Testament, we make Jesus our rock. We make him our foundation stone for life and not some counterfeit God as the Israelites frequently did in their idolatry. When we do this in the words of the Apostle Paul, the righteousness of God is revealed to us with God declaring us righteous in his sight. To be righteous is always something that is lived out by faith in the pilot because to be righteous is to do what God requires. Thus, in the words of Jesus, we would be blessed if we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We live in the presence of the Lord by asking God questions, by watching and waiting for God's response. 
Thirdly, we live in the presence of the Lord by being faithful like the righteous. And finally, we live in the presence of the Lord by rejoicing in the Lord, irrespective of our circumstances. Verse 17 of chapter 3, we read this. So the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines. Though the produce of the olives fails and the fields yield no food. Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. For Habakkuk the joy of the Lord was his strength whatever the circumstances. And he faced tough ones. For us today it's about knowing the joy of the Lord in our lives. Which comes from a relationship of being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. For joy is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Very simply I think it looks like this. To daily invite the Holy Spirit to, to fill you. And to let his overflowing in your life result in thankfulness to God. Because joy comes from practising gratitude. Habakkuk lived in the presence of the Lord. By living in this continuous circle of going back and forth. Of being and doing. A rhythm with God his pilot. Of asking God questions. Of watching and waiting and listening for God's response. Of being faithful like the righteous, and by rejoicing in God, irrespective of his circumstances. Shall we pray together? And as we pray, shall we just open our hands, our arms, to receive whatever God may speak to us today. Sovereign and eternal Lord, who is worthy of our trust, draw us deeper into a life with you, to be questioning and to challenge, to be watchful and listening, to be faithful as the righteous. May you be our joy and our strength in the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our salvation. Amen.